ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week uh, I sit down with my co-host, guest host, new team member, Amy Hall, and we get into me. Amy, what's happening? Hey, thank you. Yeah, we get into talking to Guy. We're turning the tables on him and talking about how he got started in hunting uh, Western Contours and some of the best lessons he's learned along the way. Enjoy the episode, guys. Hey, Guy. Thanks for for coming to the podcast tonight. My podcast. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? What's going on? I'm glad that we could do this. This is going to be great. This is going to be interesting is what this is going to be. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, we might have some new people on tonight and I'd like for you to kind of give us just some background on you and who you are and um, and everything that comes with you kind of just leading up to what we're going to talk about tonight. Wow. Um, Start small. I'm going to. (laughs) It's it's odd being on this side of the microphone, so to speak. I bet. Uh, First and foremost, father and husband, uh, family man. um, And outside of that, dog dad, cat dad, hunter. um, And yeah, that's about it, really. Not that exciting. (laughs) Not that exciting. there's, There's a lot more that comes with you. You're just not... There's a, let's see, you're a podcaster, you're a blogger. I don't do um, much blogging. Well, I don't really. Not, what, not much anymore. I, well, I don't even know what blogging is that well. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> what the hell is blogging? <laughs> uh, it's doing your podcast, but writing it in words. That's what it is. Yeah. So really... technically, you're blogging your podcast. You're podcasting your blog. Okay, I'm totally lost, but all right, we won't we won't expose how 
much more of an idiot I am than people. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you also have a day job that funds the, the hunting uh, addiction. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) It it sort of funds it. Uh, Yeah. So I, uh, I'm in the construction industry, a superintendent for a heavy civil firm. Um, Focus right now is on aviation, so I do a lot of uh, airport work, um, primarily international. Go. So a lot of runway and uh, safety area, taxiway, apron stuff. I don't know if anybody really knows or cares what that is, but everything outside of the terminal that we're used to walking into. So gotcha. I get to drive under airplane wings and be you know a couple hundred feet from them as they take off and stuff. It's pretty cool. That's really cool. That's pretty cool. Well, let's get into this. And and I want to go back a little ways because I just know you through uh, through the podcast and social media. But take us back to when you started hunting um, or when you first got interested in it. When was that? Interest. You know, yeah. I thought about that. And... I don't know when it really spawned. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember seeing my first deer. Um, well, I remember seeing two deer. I'm not sure which one came first. It was pretty young. We we're driving over the 405. Me and my mother and I. Uh, me, and my mother and I. That was three of us. So there's two of me. <laughs> and I remember looking off um, to the right hand side and seeing a deer just standing off the side of the freeway. Right. This, yeah, it's in L.A. Sepulveda Pass, just north of LAX. Um, and I could, I just remember that image for years and years and years and years. And then the, either the first or second occurrence, uh, we were on a lake, which is semi-local to me, uh, Lake Kachuma. We used to do a ton of camping and fishing at Kachuma. I don't know, six, seven, eight times a year. We'd be at that lake for some family thing. Um, I remember, um, being on the boat with my uncle, we were fishing bluegill at the time. And uh, seeing, I think it was probably three or four, it was a couple bucks. And uh, and this is, you know, ancient memories. Um, a couple bucks and maybe like a doe and fawn or something, but right on the lake. And just, there's just something about those images that have always stuck with me. Yeah. And then my grandpa, um, he was a huge fisherman, which I've said on the podcast before, um, did quite a bit of dove hunting. They would, him and my uncle Jimmy would go down to Mexico and hunt doves, some lake or something there. They'd go fish and hunt dove. And then my uncle was a, a fish. My whole family was fishermen and my uncle, they used to go to NorCal and go elk hunt. That's back when you can, as far as I know, when you could just buy a tag, um, they go up and elk hunt once a year and come back down and tell stories and let the kids look at the elk meat. And then back in those days, you know, sorry, Sonny, go eat, you know a patty where yeah. adults are eating this elk. <laughs> you did not get to partake. Well, no, you know, I think I was probably the only one that got to, oh. but it wasn't like I, you know, it wasn't like I was getting a whole steak. It was like, here's a couple bites. Right. <laughs> um, right. But I remember those stories. And then, you know, as I, as I got into my teens and whatnot, you know, it was, it was still fishing. Um, I'd fish like crazy on the weekends. I'd get up early and I'd watch, you know, Bill dance or, whatever was on TV. And, uh, I can't remember the shows that were on then. 
Um, but there was uh, a few hunting shows that were on and uh, I would watch those and it was all, you know, down south, Midwest, back east, tree stand hunting. And that was kind of right. my idea of it. Um, as years went on, you know, Jim Shockey, Bone Collector, they had a show. And seeing those, I think with Shockey, it kind of opened my eyes a little that it wasn't just the tree stand or the ground blind. Yeah. And then it was, you know, Bow Hunter magazine, um, things like that. And I have uh, my uncle Glenn, he would, I think I was probably, I don't know, 12, maybe younger than that. And he used to take me backpacking all the time. You know, we'd go and be he and I for three, four days, we'd backpack and go to the local mountains. And, you know, I remember mountain lions, seeing mountain lions back then and just being super fascinated by all of it. So I can't really put a thumb or a finger on when it all came about, like, you know, what brought it full circle. I've just always, it's just something about it, you know. You've always been an outdoorsman. You've always been just kind of, I don't know. There's, yeah. If I'm not outside, I hate life. Like, I'm not yeah. an inside TV person. Not not at all. Never have been, yeah. never will be. I hate it. If I'm watching TV, I'm watching something on YouTube hunting wise. I don't care what it is. It could be a tar hunt to an elk hunt to a whitetail hunt, you know, from <laughs> a from a makeshift blind. But if I'm watching something, that's what it is. It's just, you know, I, I can't do the inside thing. Now you grew up in California. Yep. Born and raised. Born so- and raised. So watching those shows with tree stands and blinds and things like that, did you realize at that point that that was not really what nope. you were interested in? No, it wasn't that I was interested. It was the only thing that I knew, right? That, that's gotcha. what I was seeing. So I had the blind. Um, actually, a friend of mine and myself, uh, we bought stands. Um, but here you go out and you're like, okay, where do we take this thing? Um <laughs> We hardly had any money to do it when we were yeah. doing it. You know, my first bow was off of eBay. Um, I think it was my early 20s. Bought it from someone back east for like 200 bucks off of eBay. Um, yep. Heck of risky. <laughs> Not knowing anything. <laughs> I knew what my draw length was from, you know, I think it was maybe Bow Hunting Magazine or something like that. And uh, knew how to get my draw length. So um, bought the bow, just kind of pieced everything together and off we went. But wow. Yeah. So that, that is kind of self-learned. Yeah. We didn't, like have, the get a lot of, <laughs> we didn't yeah. have the resources or mentors that at the time during your twenties, when you were doing that, you, did you not have anybody to ask questions and, or I'm, was it just, I'm not wired ahead. that way. Okay. I am. Um, I'm not going to say I'm, self-taught right but i am not yeah. wired uh i would rather go gather the information myself than mm -hmm. knock on a door if you know what i mean yeah. right i'm i'm the guy that's going to get lost because i refuse to ask for directions <laughs> yeah you're you're the i can do this all by myself yeah. um yeah. yeah which has its own benefits too um yeah. well and probably a few negatives when you're troubleshooting um there in the beginning, you're, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else kind of thing. And I, and I disagree. I don't think it has a negative, right? Because you no, are, you are you're always learning, right? Yeah. You're forced to learn yeah. something that if you have a constant resource, 
you could just go to that constant resource. Do you ever really grasp it? A lot of times I feel like people miss things that they can be getting, especially now, right? With, with, I hate saying stuff and I feel like I'm old as hell. The information <laughs> age, right? When, when everything is at our fingertips, yes. um, I feel like there's some stuff that that's missed and, you know, good on everybody. I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but I would rather see people out there struggling and failing and learning from that failure and pushing through it than just pulling it up. Okay, this beat me. What do I need to do, John Dudley? What do I need to do, you know, whoever? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a negative. It just might take more time. Yeah, it it's definitely. always a positive. It definitely yeah. does. But hunting, I mean, do you ever stop learning, right? So I would rather yeah. gather as much as I can. Um right off the bat through that, you know, those early years, I, for me, I think it was, I'm going to say it was three to four years before I even saw an, a deer in the woods. Like I saw yeah. bobcats, I saw a mountain lion, I saw everything. I didn't see no damn deer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was enough to keep you yearning for that. It was, it was enough to keep you pushing. Yeah. To a point there was a season, I want to say it was either I want to say it was either my third or fourth season. And I was like, mm -hmm. screw this. You know, I'm, I'm away from my family, a young family at the time. I'm mm -hmm. away from my family. I really don't have a lot of money. So everything I'm buying, I'm piecing together. And, you know, it's the cheap BDU camos and just kind yeah. of, you know, piecemeal and everything. And it was just like, you just feel defeated. And yeah. to this day, to this day, I regret missing that season. So mm. it was just like never again you know what did i do never again will yeah. i miss a season yeah man well tell me i want to hear what what is all tell me everything that you've hunted so far animal wise Just animal wise so yeah um white tail mule deer black tail bear um i shot a black buck antelope in texas some years ago um that's really it. It's it's been a yeah. lot of a lot of pigs. I've heard of turkey. I mean, we're, if we're talking big game, but turkey. No, dove, we're talking trail. everything. Yeah. So just you know, pretty much California species: blacktail, mule deer, uh, bear, and then you know, upland game. Gotcha. What is your um, what what is your favorite hunting trip? Right now. Yeah, like my from. Hell. from no, oh. your elk trip. No, I was no say I'm saying hellhole. in the past. In the past, uh, what has been your favorite? First trip to trip? Texas with my son. Um, California have to be 12 years old for big game, and I would yeah. take him out, and he's itching and itching and itching, um, and mm -hmm. I'm not the one that's going to let him pull the trigger on my tag. So yeah. I had to figure it out. Um, met a guy from Texas, started going down to his property, and uh, we go down for a week and hunt whitetail and uh, help him cull the property and um to this day absolutely the most memorable tri memorable trip i've had boy was i think he was seven at the time um so we harvested our first whitetail together um it was just you know just awesome experience it's still we something yeah. that we still talk about so i love how you you said that about you're not going to let him pull the trigger on your tag. I like the ethics part of that. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy finding him a hunt. Like you said, you went to Texas and you, you have to seek that out, but that's, 
is following the rules. Yeah. And I was always worried about it, right? If it, and that's a big thing. It's something that you, you're passionate about. You don't want to take not one chance. Um, no. And then what is it teaching him, right? He's that's seven what years I was about old, to say. Right. Yeah. He's seven years old. And there's been, I'm not going to lie. There was plenty of times where I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking at a deer and I'm like, oh man, I'd let him take that right now. And it just yeah. killed me. So it was like, okay, I got to figure this out so we can do it the right way. Um, right. If I'm going to teach him, I have to teach him, you know, to follow the rules, you know, make ethical decisions, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's just yeah. a matter of how bad do you want him to go with you? Right. Yeah. It's that father and son thing. So it was like, yeah, it's uh, we'll figure it out. You've got to teach the whole thing, not just how to pull the trigger. You've got to teach the education part, the conservation part, the the ethical part, the all of it together. It's a whole body. It's not just pulling that trigger. Absolutely. The one thing the one thing I will say, though, is is with the conservation, you know, early on, I didn't have I had very, very little idea. Right. I had you get into this and, and without this information flowing to our fingertips and our eyes on a daily basis, it wasn't even something that I knew about. You know, I was walking into the local archery shop, you know, piecemealing stuff together, eBay. So there wasn't all these conversations of conservation. So for years, I I was clueless outside of like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Um, yeah. But at the time it was like, well, I'm not hunting elk. You know what I mean? It was just, it, yeah. it really didn't matter, unfortunately. Um, you know. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, back when, if I had started hunting when I was in my teens, that was kind of back, they were just now starting to talk about conservation. It, it hasn't been, I mean, if we really think hard about it, it really hasn't been around that long, making sure that we're taking care of everything. Yeah, well, I'd say it's been around, but I would say it hasn't been on every tongue. Yes. You know what I mean? And then yes. especially here in California, right? It is, it's a different realm. I'll never forget that first trip to Texas because California, you're like, oh, you're a what? You do what? There's animal here? You can do that here? Is that legal? I've heard it all, right? And you go to Texas and that first time, you know, we're driving through these little towns and it's, you know, banner, like no BS, banners over Main Street, you know, welcome hunters. And I was just awestruck. It was just like, wait a minute, there, this exists, right? There's a <laughs> world of this. Um, yeah. And I think that was like, I've met my people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll make you fall in love with a place, right? It could be a yeah. Oh, yeah. POS hole. And uh, it has a welcome hunter sign to a guy that's never <laughs> seen that, you know, and, and didn't, you know, grow up around it or was brought into it like that. And you're just awestruck. Like, this is freaking phenomenal. <laughs> You'll never forget that. No, heck no. Mm -hmm. No. And I think we've talked in the past. You also have a daughter. Um, yes. Has she gone out with you? Yes, she has. When So I think my boy was six or seven when he mm -hmm. took his safety course. My daughter was 10 or 11. Um, mm -hmm. Took them both out. We just went to a little a little quail spot here in quail season. And I just had them with pellet guns. And uh, yeah. I'm like, you know, okay, there's one there. You know, we creep up behind a scrub or something. And um, I'll never forget. There's one there, love. You know, go ahead. And she pulled the pulled a little pellet gun up and probably had a, I don't know, 20 yard shot. And she looked up at me with a tear in her eye and I said, it's your choice. You know, if you, 
if you can't do it, you can't do it. And she was like, I, I, there's no way I can do it, dad. And yeah. uh, I said, all right, you know, not a problem. Son, shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she'll eat it. She loves to eat it. She just, she can't, uh, she can't kill it, which is fine. Yeah. Totally, you know, totally respect her decision on that. Um, oh, she yeah. She not have a problem with me doing it unless I bring deer home and hang them in the backyard. And she has to watch them, skin them and <laughs> clean them. She can just look away, look away. Oh, no. Oh, no. She no. is, she is uh, me. <laughs> so she will tell me if she is displeased with seeing a deer hanging in the backyard yeah well um tell me probably i was trying to think about this the things that i want to know that i'm sure other people would like to know as you're learning and as you're going through there are of course lessons that we learn is there a lesson along the way that you remember the most. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is going to, this venture is going to test every bit of your willpower, determination, and stick to Um, And to this day, that has made me a better person. When I was mm -hmm. younger, I didn't have patience. I had a temper. If it wasn't working, I'd just get, pissed off and keep going and not realize that being pissed off about it wasn't doing me any good. Um, it actually kind of settled me down um, outside yeah. of, you know, my wife and my daughter, of course, but it's actually, it actually made me reflect a whole heck of a lot on my approach to things. Um, and that's one of the things that I look forward to, to this day when I go get in the woods. I, uh, I like that because I think a lot of times when people think of hunting, it's, it's kind of that one track focus and, uh, that gets you so far, but taking life lessons away from it and then applying it to how you move forward in your life, not just in hunting, that means even more. Oh, heck yeah. And I, I don't know that people, especially early on, you don't realize it. And I think that's why I was like, you know, typical me back then was like, you know, screw this. I'm not dealing yeah. with it. I'm moving on. Um, and you, you know, you get, you get to a point on the mountain and, and we're steep here where I hunt is it's steep. It's nasty. Oh um, Yeah. And you get to that and you, you know, you go down it and then, you know, you get your butt kick going up and you make it to the top and you go, you know, you realize after the pain, the cramps and everything else, one, I wasn't prepared for that, mm -hmm. not physically or mentally, but with water, with food, with gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? These $30 boots I got on not working these thick old BDUs that I, I paid $22 for are making me sweat. I'm dying. And our, <laughs> our early archery season, even in the coastal areas is, you know, 80 plus 90 plus degrees. So it's yep. super, super hot. Um, but yeah, just, it, it, really does make you settle in and go, wow, damn, I, I did that. That was me. Right. And when, and mm -hmm. it starts to become, how far can I go the next time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I push, can I push, can I push, how far can I push? And then the preparation and the gear and things like that, it all comes into play. You start realizing you, you evolve in it. Right. Um, yeah. I remember going in with, basically it was a, 
I think I was talking to this about Kurt or with Kurt. It was a, a Gerber fanny pack and it had a pouch on each hip, a, a larger pouch in the back, and then like a camelback or a hydration pouch slot. And uh, you'd cram a knife, you know, uh, your game bags would be, you know, tucked away in the back one. And you have all this little stuff, um, but you kill a deer. And I, that thing kicked my, kicked my ass the first deer I killed with that thing on. Um, and, you, and you realize like, okay, how in the world is this going to help me get this animal out of here? Um, yep. It, you didn't didn't consider it, right? You, you go to grab that first deer and you give it that tug like, oh, man, this thing is a lot heavier than it looked. <laughs> I just dra- I just drug one the other day and it it to this day, every time I put my hand on a deer and go to pull, I, it surprises me oh, it's every nice. single time. Yeah, that did. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I do like the, we've talked a little bit, I think through Instagram with um, a couple of people recently about taking that moment and um, the moment that you're in and recognizing it and making sure to slow down and recognize it. And I think that that speaks a lot into what you're saying about learning those lessons, because if you don't slow down, if you don't, take those moments then like you said you can miss it those oh you're first gonna miss the deer years. too you know you're gonna well you're gonna miss the animal <laughs> you miss all of it yeah because um, you're, you're so focused on notching the tag and i think we've yeah. all been there you know yeah. you, you first start off and you're and you're walking this beaten path i remember walking hiking trails i look back on that now and I'm like, that was stupid as hell i walked like eight miles on a hiking trail right and <laughs> 15 people walk by me and i'm looking around for animals and they're looking at me like i'm crazy and i didn't realize how crazy i looked um, and now I look at it, I was just like, man, that's dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just those, those moments, I hate, I don't want to start sounding all damn cliche, right? But it, <laughs> it, you, you can't help it, right? I mean, it's stop, it. uh-uh. stop and smell the roses. But when you stop to smell that rose, like what's the wind doing? What does it smell like? Yep. You know, what's next to that rose bush you just start absorbing so much what time of day it is, is it and and those things just start to add up and i think mm-hmm. at a point it just clicks and you're like oh damn okay i remember that oh i remember this mm-hmm. and you start putting it together you know over and over and yeah. over and then you you know you're bound to seal the deal i love it i love it i think some of the people that we were talking about you have pretty great relationships with with some hunting buddies um the the guys from Let Em Fly Gear and what you've got, Kong John Valley Alexander. Guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are, like, I know that you've probably had some great hunts with these guys. So um, the, honestly, the only one that I've hunted with is uh, Makana from Let Em Fly. So I took Mac out. Mac's a new hunter and I took Mac out, was that last year? He was struggling, and I said, hey, bro, I got a spot I'll take you into if you got a tag. Um, so I was able to get uh, some time in the woods with Mac. But John and I, um, really just through the podcast and uh, and gotcha. social media, um, you know, became, became pretty good friends. And uh, there's a lot of folks, and, and they're not the only ones. You look at Luke Ellifritz, look at the Redderaths, um, Michael Batiste, James Nashley. Okay, I'm gonna qualify all this, right? I'm a sucker for hunters. Okay. Yeah. So when I talk to somebody on this podcast, like I am really intrigued and into what they're saying. 
mm-hmm. some topics more than others. Um, but I feel like there's a takeaway from everyone's story. And I really, yeah. really appreciate the time that I spend with these people. So being that sucker for that and that appreciation for their time and their story and their experiences, I feel like it adds to me. Um, yeah. It adds to my experience. And I got a notebook and I started this from my very first episode with Jeff Moran and I jot stuff down and I'll go back through those notes and I, and I have a smaller notebook and everybody, you know, gets a piece of a page and I'll, you know, Jeff Moran, he, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever stood out, Luke Elifritz, yeah. right? Um, one of the things that Luke said that, that still sticks with me is temper your expectations. James Nash, right? When he starts talking about the wind, um, told me to read a book. I hated that freaking book. But I swear I'm better because of that book. So in that, you know, qualifying that, um, I don't need to go to the woods with you. Like as much, I want to hunt with everybody I talk to, right? I don't have the time, the money. And most people talk to me and they're done with me. Um, So it is, it's just an appreciation for all things hunting. Because outside of my podcast and outside of hunting, I'm pretty freaking antisocial. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You would not guess that. Not well cuz uh, because we're talking hunters. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um but the the kind of encouragement that you give others especially new hunters um and I know we're talking hunting right now but you would never guess that on the outside. It's uh the way that you welcome people in um especially good people who are really trying to learn or just need some encouragement. Like I would never have guessed that. Part of, Um, part of that is okay. (laughs) Part of that. And I'm cautious with it. Right. Because there's a Mm -hmm. lot of hype. Um, part of that is I want people to, I want people to know that they, I'm just one dude. Right. But I want them to know that there is someone that genuinely, is behind them. Right. I know that struggle. Um, you know, they, they got that term, uh, adult onset hunter, right? It is what it is. Yeah. You started late in life. Um, like me, I'm one of this and it's a little bit rough. Right. And then with social media, yeah. it's a little off putting when you hear that. Right. And, and, and Brandon mm-hmm. said it the best, right. It's like a, like you got a stigma. Um, mm-hmm. and then at the, on the other side of that, I want them you know, I'm honest. <laughs> I have a hard yep. time biting my tongue and I want them to understand that all this hype, that's all it really is. It's hype. It's highlight reels. It's smoke and mirrors. What's really yep. going to get it done is that grit, that determination, that stick to and boots on the ground. As cliche as that shit sounds, oops, excuse me. It's true. It is. It, that is the absolute truth about hunting. And when you go yeah. out there with an open mind about that, you're less likely to get frustrated because your expectation is you're going to go get your butt kicked and you're going to have to do this, this, and this to make this happen. And that may only be enough to get you within 150, 200 yards. Now you got to advance it and step it up and then learn right. as you, as you progress there. Um, but see, as you're teaching people and as you're influencing people in that direction, they will then go out and do the same. So, um, that's the hope And that. And I'm talking about everyone who's mentoring someone right? That's or everyone who is talking to someone else. It's, it's starting that ball rolling in that direction. And, and, and part of my thought process is, and, and I don't know, I've seen, I've seen 
things that say, you know, it's on the decline. I th see things that say hunting numbers are up. Um, retention is hit or miss. So for me, the more people that I can help or influence or affect, the more hunters we have, the more numbers we have, we're stronger as a unit, which we can get into that too, right? Because we want people hunting, but then we want to piss on each other all the time. Um, yeah, we can't do that. Yeah. So it, it really is about recruitment, cliche, right? Recruitment and retention. So if somebody gets into it and no one helps that person or no one gives them, you know, the reel on it and, and, and keeps it, you know, 100, um, or if people are pissing on that person, we, we lose a hunter, right? And, and people yeah. like that are less like the, the guys that get pissed on are less and, and women are less likely to say I quit because I quit because I couldn't, yeah. I felt like I couldn't do it. Right. They're going to say hunters are a-holes. You know, this yeah. guy called me this, that I would rather have somebody walk away from it and say, you know what? I got my butt kicked. I quit plain yeah. and simple. I quit because rather than, yeah, than saying hunters are a-holes. Yeah. So why not help yeah. those folks along? Yeah. I love those lessons. I love those lessons. I'm going to step you into, I want to hear your top five favorite like the gear that you take out, what is your top five favorite things to Ooh, take with was, you? I didn't, I did not see that coming off after that topic. Um, jeez. <clears throat> okay. I'm a gear junkie. So you're, you're asking yeah. me to narrow it down. I know you are. I know you are. And <laughs> that's why I'm asking you. That, that's why I'm asking you. I know that broadheads are, are pretty important to oh, you. Goodness. And I know. Like we could get into a huge rabbit hole here we, and that's why I'm only giving you five. You, you screwed up because yeah. <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> so first and foremost is my bow. I rifle hunt. I would yeah. boomerang hunt if I could. Um, but my bow, I'm absolutely obsessed with shooting my bow. Um, that's where I started down this road. Uh, it's yeah. where I'll always, until I can't draw a bow back, I'll be shooting a bow um, period. So absolutely my bow. Um, as frustrating as it is at times, I love it. That, and I love, I love getting my butt kicked, um, <laughs> when it comes to using that thing. Yeah. Um, wow. That, that is freaking hard. Uh -huh. I'm a knickknack. I, you know, I like knickknack stuff, right? So, um, man, that is a rough one. Okay. I'll go to broadheads. So okay. broadhead has to fly well, um, and it has to be effective, right? It, it, it is yeah. the most important piece of equipment that we walk in the field with. Um, yeah. I'm not going to make it a broadhead slamming session as much as I'd like to do that sometimes with some of the stuff I see. Um, no, but we're thinking what's the best, how, if there were somebody on here that was going, well, what do I look for? Not necessarily a brand name, but what do I look for in a broadhead? Well, there's different, there's different schools of thought on that, right? I mean, if you, yeah. you start talking about single, okay, I'll go with, I'll go with the two that, that I have been flopping back and forth with since last season and it's iron wheels um, mm -hmm. and kudu point broadheads. They both have phenomenal flight. There's some things that I like about the single bevel on the kudu um, mm -hmm. that the iron wheels don't have because they're double-edged. Um, but there's things that I like about the iron wheels um, in performance, in being able to resharpen. Um, yeah. So there, it, it's really a toss-up. I think if someone was listening, 
Um, I would say that me personally, um, that would be my two. And I think it boils down to them doing their shooting, seeing what they like and price point. Iron wheels are are fairly expensive um, and the kudus are, you know, that mid range kind of average price point. Um, But I, I, like both of them immensely um so much so that i'm leaving for elk camp here in some days and uh still don't know what the hell i'm shooting (laughs) (laughs) but you know that whichever one you're going to take out out of those two it's going to be effective and it's going to um it's going to do its job yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so okay so got my broadheads um yeah and then you like the little stuff too. Hammock. My hammock is a yeah. must. So yeah. I love my hammock. Um, hammock with my bug net though. <laughs> I'm not a fan of mosquitoes. Bug nets are important. Yeah. But, but I love my hammock. Um, it is the fastest camp out of my pack that mm-hmm. I could possibly have. It's super small. It's super light. Um, light I'm light, not like an ultra light guy. I don't worry about weight too much till I start exceeding you know, 60 pounds or so. No, um, but I'd rather put food in for weight versus yeah. something else like a tent. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my hammock, um, and then it would just be like knickknacky stuff. So I started down my elk road. It's well, this is my second elk season, but be prior to the 2018 season that year before I started down the elk road. So a couple three years, two, three years now, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And Freddie Lopez with Game Changer Calls. Um, I'm kind of biased because Freddie is one hell of a guy and his Game Changer um, is exactly what the name says. Um, I love that little amp. Um, so that one is a must. Like I won't go into the woods without it um, just because the way it's it cleans up the sound and uh, of that diaphragm. Um, yeah. And I'll support Freddie until death. Um, <laughs> my wind checkers. I'm a wind checker fanatic. Uh, I read that on one of your, your post one time. I don't, you won't go I, without it. Nope. I won't go in the woods without at least three. Um, yeah. I've gone through, I use the dead down wind, um, wind detectors and mm-hmm. I will go through one in a day. Easy. Um, depending on where I'm hunting. So that that was that was one of my questions was why three because because I'm gonna go through them. I that yeah. is the one thing that I will not leave to chance is the wind. Like yeah. if I if there's one thing I've learned over the twenty summit years, nope. You can win everything else. You're not beating that nose. And That's I, true. I will not absolutely will not mess with the wind. So puff. I'll take a you know six steps. I'm puffing. You know, and then where <laughs> I hunt. Um, the wind is crazy and it's changing on you and you, you, you know, walk 30 feet and it's coming over the ridge and hitting a little draw and a little crick the right way. And it's, you know, taking it over here. Swirl around you. Yeah. It's just crazy. So my wind checkers, um, one more, how do you pull it all down to that last one? (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's rough. That is mm-hmm. rough. So, okay, I'm 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 going with two more. I'm gonna go six. Um, just, <laughs> You're gonna cheat. Yeah, I can't help okay. myself. Um, so we go back to my bow. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. really 
mess with my bow too much. I don't change a bunch of stuff. Um, but um, my tap stuff, my titanium archery product stuff, I got the yeah. TSS and then I have, yeah. uh, well, I have a couple bows. So on my CT5, I have a Element X uh, stabilizer, the 12 inch, and the thing's phenomenal. Um, the TSS, that that string stop, um, it it does something to a bow that I have never seen a string stop do. Um, so Which I love is. those. It, it just told, I mean, that string hits that thing and it's done. And it is, okay. it is like quiet, quiet, quiet. It's amazing. I don't know what Sam does or what kind of mojo he puts into that in there, out there in Pennsylvania, but that thing is stupid. Um, nice. so I love that. And then I like my face paint. <laughs> uh, I, uh, Met a couple guys, I don't know, it's been, what is this, 2019? So probably 2014, 2015 at a gun show. Um, yeah. The guys from Predator War Paint, and I've been rocking that stuff since I found them, um, but I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. I like my face paint. I feel like, uh, I don't want, yeah, here we go with my cliche stuff, but... I don't want to say it's going to war, but I, I don't know. There's something about just striping that stuff on and it's just like game on as soon as it hits the face. <laughs> I don't know. I think it brings like a primal, um, a primal piece out in us. That's, um, you feel more apart. Like you're trying to camouflage yourself into where you are and it just kind of brings it, it ties it all in. I, I think so. Um, as goofy but, as I am and as much as I like to laugh, when I hit the woods and I'm working, because that's how I look at it. You're serious. I ain't. There ain't a smile on my face until something is done. Unless I'm just getting my butt kicked and I laugh at myself. But it's yeah. it's like, it's work time. Like, when yeah. it's go time, that's it. It's focus. And it's funny how, like you're saying, um, people are going to talk shit about me. Um, <laughs> but as soon as that stuff goes on, it's it's go time. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm gonna. So so you just said something in a minute. I'm gonna bring it up. You um you said unless you're unless you're just getting your tail kicked, um you posted a video on YouTube of an elk hunt. Uh huh. Um, and I thought that it was the most honest, um, straightforward, transparent um, video that I had seen of a hunt that might not necessarily have gone the way that you wanted it to. Um, yeah. Up until day two. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but do you want to tell us just a quick little, yeah. Um, I wanted to hear about it too. So it was a trip. That was, that was an eye opener to, mm -hmm how ridiculous we go over backstrapping horns. Um, first elk hunt, right? I had, you know, a, a couple of friends have asked me for some years to go, you know, they go to Colorado. Tom's been going to Colorado for something like 30 years. And my kids both play small, uh, fall sports. Um, so I'm one of those dads where if you're playing, I'm at a game. Yeah. Um, I was coaching for years. So my daughter was up at college. Um, my son um, said he didn't want to play ball anymore. And, when I, and I've always told my wife, when the kids are done with sports, it's on. 
Um, yeah. That's going to be, you know, I'm going crazy. I've always limited myself um, with the hunting based on family, right? My family's first. So yeah. Um, anyhow, long story short, finally got to pull the trigger on an elk hunt, got lucky, um, apply with some guys up in Wyoming, um, got the tag, went to Wyo, went in the woods. I think I woke up at something like two in the morning, the little bit of sleep I got. I mean, they were, you could hear them bugling all night and it was just, I'll, I'll never forget pulling up and looking and getting out of the Jeep. And the, I mean, soon as I closed the door, I heard a bugle and I immediately started walking <laughs> to the bugle and I, it was like kid in the candy store, kid on Christmas Eve, uh-huh. right? 16 years yeah. old going to prom. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just, fun right just to yeah. hear that bugle like oh my god this is what i've been waiting for right this is what i what i've been anticipating for a year as i'm learning you know learning to call and trying to figure this animal out and uh anyhow the get out in the woods and uh first light and as we're walking in bugles start popping off and we had uh probably had five i think it was about five bulls one two three yeah it was five bulls bugling um all coming from a drainage and we just started heading that way um started letting out the cow chirps we had one respond immediately and uh he shut up for a while and you know heard him a little bit closer and uh mewed you know a couple more times and lo and behold i think within 45 minutes 50 minutes i look up and uh you could see this antler coming at us and knocked one and uh, mm-hmm. he comes in and our setup was crap. The guy, Bugs, that was calling for me, he's standing right next to me. Um, he should have been out behind me to get the bull to come past me, um, yeah. but not yeah. knowing anything. And uh, bull comes in, he moves around. I settle in, uh, arrow the bull, pass through. Um, good blood. We had great blood. Um, I and mean, we were seeing pools of blood. It's just a tough animal. And... Uh, probably a little high right knowing what i know now it was a high it was a high lung shot um didn't find the bull pulled out went back i mean we hunt you know looked till dark pulled out went back the next day looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and then didn't find anything went back i think we went and ate lunch and then went back and uh said okay let's go across the drainage and we're just going to see if we see any scavengers, magpies and, you know, ravens flying up out. Yep. And uh, went and sat on the hillside and, you know, bulls are bugling. And, you know, that whole time I'm experiencing elk and not absorbing the information um, mm-hmm. because I was just sick to my stomach. And saw some magpies fly out of the out of the aspens and said, let's go check it. And went over, started going up, boom, found the blood again, um, you know. And the guy I was with, he he went up and he's looking and I'm, you know, I got blood. I'm following it up. He's like, I found it. And my heart was just, it was just like joy, right? I knew that the meat was probably bad, but it was like I get to get hands on his bone. And, you know, it was just like, oh, and I got up there and I, as I was walking up to him, the look on his face wasn't good. So I still didn't think anything. Um, I'm thinking, you know, coyotes or bear or something got it and walk up and it is pick clean um somebody had 
did a horrible job butchering it. It was a rush job. There was horse tracks that led up right to it. Um, antlers, everything was gone. They cut branches, uh-huh. threw it over. Um, yeah. And, uh, there she went. So we were like, well, what's going on? You know, found the, uh, entry and exit and followed the blood back. And, you know, because we found the, we'll call it the second half of the blood trail, followed it right yeah. back around to ours. And it was like, yeah, there's a confirmation. And, uh, yeah. So he got poached from under me. Um, very unfortunate. It kind of, you know, it was a, it was a heck of a lesson, heck of a lesson. So it was unfortunate, but if anybody wants to see that, that hasn't seen it, um, jump on YouTube. Maybe we can include that on the, the show notes. Yeah, you but. can, you can find that link on your Instagram. Definitely. I can, yeah, um, that, uh, that was a rough one. That was a, like I said, it was an eye opener. Um, yeah. the, you know, what people will do, but some dude has, it was a great bull, um, he was a big five for your first bull. I wasn't, I didn't have an expectation, um, but yeah, he was a nice five and yeah, it sucked. It still sucks. <laughs> it still sucks. Some guy has that on his wall right now and he's having to live with the fact and who knows, he might not feel it, but. Oh, he, he's got a BS story. You no, know, right? Yep. right? Yep. He has a, some uh. BS story that he told half a dozen people. And at some point he's going to get tired of the BS story and, you know, mm-hmm. he'll go hide it. And yep. so I, I hope that haunts him as much as it haunts me. I just hope that yeah. the edible parts got utilized a hundred percent, you know, considering the butcher job was, it was heartbreaking to see the butcher job on it. It was, uh. uh, there was so much waste. I mean, almost all the neck meat was waste and it was just, it that part was, it was really bad to see that. But that's a tough one. I I just remember watching the video and being, man, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say I had tears that came like it's hard watching um, somebody go through something like that. And it's raw and it's um, but people don't put that kind of stuff out anymore. And um, you see, like you said at the, in the beginning of our conversation, it's the highlight reels. Right. And so seeing something like that is honesty out there. And I love it. Um, as heartbreaking it is, it, as it is, it's, um, man, it's, it's something that makes the rest of us feel where you're coming from yeah Yeah, it's a gut check i mean the only thing i didn't i'm not gonna bs i was in tears like when i was driving away um i decided you know i still had time um but i killed an animal right so Mm -hmm. it was like i i I can't notch this or you know notch my tag and put it on this carcass um but i arrowed and killed an animal so i flopped around for i think a day and a half and at that point, it was just like, I'm, I'm going home to my family. And mm-hmm. I was kind of beat up. Um, and I remember driving driving up that, that was a long dirt road. Um, it was probably, I think we were 45 minutes in on the dirt. And it seemed like yeah. it was two hours. And uh, I remember tearing up. And uh, that was, I mean, that was, that was a big pill to swallow. I mean, it was, that was horrible. It was horrible. That was the worst feeling ever. Well, you're about to go out again. Oh, yeah. I'm excited as hell. (laughs) (laughs) So is this your big 
for hunting, is this your big 2019 goal? Um, I, so, or what is it? What's your 2019 goal in your hunting this year? I just want to hunt. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> as much as I want to go and arrow a bull, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be okay with just walking in the woods, you know, yeah. tooting on the bat and saying, Hey, I did it. Like I want to go and I want to, here we go a cliche. I want to break myself off. I want to see what I'm made of, um, yep. not just physically and mentally, but can I get on their level and present an opportunity to myself and even furthermore, um, after my son saw the footage from that hunt, um, he goes, dad, I want in, like, I absolutely mm. want to go on this elk stuff with you. So, yeah. you know, more than, <clears throat> more than my reckoning, um, I'm interested in punching his tag or giving him the opportunity to see that screaming bull, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards away. Um, and, and give him an opportunity to draw back on, on the bull. What I, I really want to come home with two sets of antlers on my Jeep. <laughs> See, now that's a good goal. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Right? Both of those, because there's two goals there. There's, there's the finished product. There's, there's victory in a hunt. And then there's also sharing that with your son. Mm-hmm. Those are two big ones. And then bring in um, last year to full circle. Cause it's that yeah. will, that will haunt me because yep. even though someone that bull died, someone took it. I'm always going to look at my error first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Again, yep. high lung shot. Um, yeah. Placement wise, it was a good shot. I threaded the needle, which I, I freaking love threading the needle. Like you give mm-hmm. me a, six inch window i know my arrow trajectory that sucker's going through at 60 yards yeah. i love that but i will always reflect on my error in a situation before i blame the jack leg that came up and poached it um for whatever reason you know so it is it's just bringing that whole thing full circle and then the fact that i get mm-hmm. to go you know tromp around the woods with my boy for you know three weeks um if that's what it takes, then, you know, that's going to be something of epic proportions. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Okay. I'm going to change gears on you. Um, I'm going to talk about Western Contours a little bit. Um, how did it start? Oh. Like how, I know. How did it come to fruition? Because when I get my head set on something, I can't do anything but do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come hell or high water, I have to. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. Um, and I'm a podcast junk. Well, at the time, I was a podcast junkie. Right. I love mm-hmm. listening to podcasts. I love the stories. But I felt like something was missing. Um, mm-hmm. There were stories, you know, you talk to people, you meet somebody, you know, go into like a 3D shoot or you're in, you're in, uh, you know, a store, Bass Pro or, you know, local archery shop or something. And you're sitting there chit chatting, and you're hearing these stories and you're like, damn, that was, you know, that was cool. Um, looking on, you know, social media and you see all this stuff and it's like, well, damn, how come, you know, I'm not, I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing about, you know, these lavish hunts. Uh, what about 
you know, air quoting the little guy, right? Yeah. The, the everyday hunter. Um, yeah. The guys like me for years that I could only go out on a Saturday because my kid had, you know, games or I could only go out, you know, Sunday because my kid had, you know, sports or activities, things like that. Where, where are those stories, right? The, yeah. the determination it takes in a 30 day season to go out there four weeks and try and seal a deal, right? Um, yeah. The, the Saving blue all your money for yeah, a hunt. Exactly. Yeah. The blue collar stories, if you will. So, yeah. With that being said, I was like, well, how do you do this? Who the hell wants to listen to me? Um, and I think it was, that date eludes me now, no, November, it was like November 25th. It was right around Thanksgiving of last year. Yeah. And uh, a couple of friends of mine, uh, Anthony and Andy, they have a podcast, Legion OST. And uh, they had mentioned me a couple times on there because of the Wyoming trip. And I was like, well, dang, you know, that's pretty freaking cool. Um, mm -hmm. But I want to hear more of these stories. And their podcast is good. They focus on primarily California guys um, and sharing the California experience, right? We're kind of underrated and unspoken. And yep. I wanted to hear more. So I said, November 25th, I think I'm going to give it a try. Um, and then it was, yeah, I went over, to, you know, got on YouTube and I'm like, okay, what are people using to do this? And uh, couldn't make sense of it because there's just so many different ways that people are doing it. Um, mm -hmm. Went over to the local guitar center and said, hey, what, where's podcasting equipment? And looked at that stuff a couple times and did my homework. And, you know, I uh, used to mess with music a little bit on both the um, performance side and recording aspect um in my early years <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so i had a little bit as far as the audio part of it um i knew where to look and where to go with that and yeah. i wanted to have the best sound that was one of the things like there's you know a lot of podcasts where guys just aren't worried about the sound quality and i it would be a good topic but i couldn't make it through it um it wasn't even decent, right? So it would be like, man, I, I like what you're talking about, but damn, I can't even listen to it. It sounds so bad. So I was yeah. really wanting to be anal, um, for the lack of a better word, um, <laughs> with the auto, audio quality. I wanted to make sure that if someone was intrigued with what someone was saying, that they were able to sit through it and didn't turn it off or swipe left because the audio yeah. sucked. So yep. just, you know, plugged away. And I think it was, uh, December 1st, <laughs> I had, uh, I had my audio equipment, I had the program running, trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to use program wise. Um, and then I think maybe four or five days after that, I, I'd sat down and I'm like, how am I going to get people? And I just started trolling Instagram <laughs> and looking for people that either that I was following that I really liked their page or as I was, you know, trolling, um, intrigued me for one you know, reason or another. And uh, I just started shooting out DMs. And uh, the DM was so damn long that I had to cut it up into three parts. And I, you know, one of one of three, two of three, three of three. So I'm not, you know, sure how many people were like, what the hell is all this? Um, <laughs> and I, I did really good. Like I, I expected to hear no right off the bat, right? You have, there's, you just don't, well, who the hell are you, right? I think yeah. my Instagram following is still small. Um, but I think at the time I might've had 
maybe 700 followers. Um, and then I started the Western Contours page that had even less. So it was just like, man, you know, you look at all that stuff and it's, you know, it's all numbers, you know, what kind of following do you have and blah, 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 blah. Sadly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I started hitting people up and, you know, to my surprise, you know, people were responding and were like, yeah, let's, you know, we can chat about it. And Jeff Moran was the first one that I scheduled. I think we recorded probably that was maybe like around December 13th or somewhere in there. So in a matter of less than three weeks, I went from, I'm going to try that to recording episodes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, that, that's that headstrong. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I was just going to, I was going to give it, give it what I had. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite episode beside mine? Ah, um, <laughs> favorite episode. Without hurting anybody's feelings. Um, Without hurting anybody's <laughs> feelings. Or maybe one that maybe impacted you the most. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Tate Hale. Like, no question. Tate Hale. I there's, I had chills talking to that man. Um, uh, that's a good conversation. That guy is... He is powerful. He is, if he doesn't move you and make you think about your outlook, you don't have a pulse. Um, mm. So I'm going to say that impact, impactful, his favorite, his. Um, but there's, again, there are bits and pieces of every episode. Like if I could, maybe I'll do that one day, is make a compilation of the things that stand out because I appreciate the conversation with everyone. Um, I would go hunt with everyone that I've talked to. Um, I've learned something from everyone that I've talked to. I've written down something that I have in my little notebook from mm -hmm. everyone I've talked to. Um, from Katie DiLorenzo to freaking Luke Elifritz to the Redoraths again. I mean, I, I can't think of one person that I did not have a conversation that I'm smiling when I get off the, off the phone with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. a sucker. Well, I'm, because in these, in these podcasts, you're able to not only hear their stories and hear their background and kind of hear where they're coming from and their goals and the things that they stand for, but you're also hearing the kind of person that they are. So it becomes a little bit more personal of a conversation. It's, it's more than just emails or writing letters or whatever it is. It, it takes it to a different level of relationship. When you sit down and have a conversation with somebody for an hour or more. Hold on one sec. I'm sorry. Voodoo, stop. Please. I can't play right now. It's my dog. <laughs> I get to do that. I'm the guest right now. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's all that and then some. It really is. Um, you know, one of the ones, like I said, that sticks out to me is uh, is Katie DeLorenza. She's uh, out of New Mexico. and Yeah. That was a good podcast. She's, I heard that one. Yeah, she's her efforts in conservation and her wholeheartedness in that um, really made me reflect on my part, what I do, and made me want to drive a little bit more. Um, yeah, she's 
I, I can't. I mean, even you know, you look at Lena Monsoor, um, newbie, but just full of love and life for everything outdoors. Um, Jonathan, um, I'm not going to talk about that big head son of a gun too dang much. <laughs> um, but his his approach to things, um, and he and we're alike in a lot of ways, right? He likes to go get broke off. Um, he wants to challenge himself. Um, and he's just sick with elk. Um, it just absolutely sick with it. But you know, the, the Redarafts, the way that their entire family is involved, it's, it's an everyday family activity, right? I mean, I, you hear these conversations and, and you know, it, the hunting stands out, but when I hear, yeah, we bought a little seven foot trailer or whatever it is, this little tiny trailer. So we can be close while we're out enjoying ourselves camping, right? That stood out to me more than anything. Well, I shouldn't say more than, but that was one of the biggest things for me in that episode was they're doing it all as a family. And we're so distant as families, in my opinion, nowadays. There goes that old guy talking again. Um, but it's true. It's very true. You know, everyone's so separate. And if if you're not, if you're together, then all you see is blue reflection on everybody's face. So the fact that, you know, they are holding it high and teaching their kids how to hold family high. Um, it was great to me. So that was one of the things that stood out. So it, Luke Elifritz and his, uh, screw him. <laughs> that guy's, a, <laughs> he's a, he's a, uh, yeah. There's yeah. as far as You're elk trying slayers, to search for the word. I'm trying not to cuss. Saying. I'm trying not to cuss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, that guy's a monster, right? And I, there's stuff that I think everyone can learn from him and his approach to elk and the mountains. Um, James Nash is another one, right? I mean, that guy is so learned and that you want to talk about efforts in conservation, really second to none as far as I'm concerned that I know of as an individual, um, just stupid, right? So there's all these people that uh, it, it just all stands out. It, it all has value. It all has meaning. Um, and then, you know, going back to not my opinion on them, but the podcast, one of the hopes is that people are taking that away. And that's the one thing that I hope with it is that people are taking away. Not You're not just hearing someone's hunting story. You're hearing their perspective on moving through life with hunting being their lifestyle, right? Yeah. Most of these yep. people, this they live for September through November, right? That's generally speaking, that's three months out of the year is is most hunting seasons in most states for most people. Um, these people live for it, and it it's not when you're living for it. It's not just oh, this is a hobby. No, you're doing this year round pursuit, and you end up living your life a certain way because of it. And I just, I love it. I'm a sucker. <laughs> I was, I was about to say each podcast that you do, each story that you highlight, um, it shows how we interweave, um, this hunting community and that each person has its place in that community. Heck yeah. Um, and so I think that that's a great thing about the podcast. Um, 
is that you've been able to do that because they might be from different parts of the United States. They might be from different parts of the world. They might be, um, you know, man, woman, East coast, West coast stock, um, stand, like whatever it is, each person has their place in this community and it, it ties all together. And that's the, you brought that up. That's kind of the weird thing, right? Is it's Western contours, but as it's progressed, mm-hmm. I have found you're branching. I have found the value in those stories. I'm not going to say in the tree stand. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, there, there's gotta be something to it. There's a lot of people doing it. Um, but really, I mean, it, it, it's limiting, right? If I if I just say Western contours and am I practicing what I preach if I don't value your experience or the Dan Traups? You know, and there's a lot of folks that I've talked to that are Eastern hunters at heart, but itch every year to come out and either high country mule deer hunt or elk hunt, you know, every year to the West. So, There has to be something about it. I'm never going to, I might knock it jokingly, um, but there's value. It's bringing value to people's lives. Um, They're living that lifestyle. You and your husband feed your kids, you know, from, from the deer that uh, you guys lay down and uh, Kurt Easter, I talked to him and that dude fills his freezer and uh, he eats deer, venison or elk every single day of the week for breakfast and lunch every single day of the week so there's value in that so it's kind of branched out it'll always be western contours it'll always be my focus because it's my love um but there's value you know there's value everywhere as far as i'm concerned with it when we start talking about the individuals yeah well tell me what your goals are for this year for the podcast and that kind of links us into what we're starting here so I'm not, I didn't set a goal when I started this, right? I didn't set any because I didn't, with goals come expectations. And I yes, learned that's true. early with it that if you're watching numbers, you are either going to quit or you're going to throw yourself on the blade. <laughs> yeah. Well, take numbers out of it. Like I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about viewers. I'm not talking like what... I was leading um, to it. I was leading yeah. to it. <laughs> Go right ahead. So Keep going. it's about impact and it's always been about impact. And it's as much as the, the podcast is me. I want it to breathe impact on its own. Right. In the things that are important to me, um, conservation, recruitment, retention, um, the diverse demographics, um, which, you know, why I asked you to be a part of the podcast, um, and we could jump into that right now. It is, it is important to spawn a thought. And if that thought takes a hold of 10 people out of a hundred, I've done a little bit. Um, I want to do more, but I've done a little bit. And I figure with the growth that it's seen over the last eight months, um, 
somebody's being impacted. Somebody is listening to it. Somebody's taken away from it. Um, you know, on a big scale, on a large scale, whatever. Somebody is going, yeah. And uh, I just want to have an impact. I want to do something positive for hunting and the hunting community. Um, there's a lot of negative. Um, yes. One of the things that drives me crazy is I wear Kuyu, you wear Sitka, I wear First Light, F-U-F-U-F-U-F-U, right? Re retarded. We're out there. Ultimately, we're out there for the same reasons in most cases. Um, it's the same pursuit at the end of the day, right? Whether it's a rifle, an arrow, a muzzle loader, um, it's, it's the same pursuit. So uh, learning to appreciate that, even some of us that are overly stubborn, um, we got to be able to appreciate that to grow and to keep hunting alive, in my opinion. Um, you know, if we have that small in numbers and those numbers are declining, well, what are we going to do if we're always divided? Um, if we can't spawn a thought, I've, I've talked to a guy and I told you that last week and he's like, hey, can I talk to you about hunting? Heck yeah, man. And we had this conversation. It, it's happened to me a couple of times. I was at the range and this kid wanted to talk. He's like, hey, do you hunt? Yeah. So he said, you know, chop it up about hunting. Um, he was just a archery guy. And, and just to have those conversations and to spawn that, and it just being positive about what we do and not all of it's positive, right? I'm pretty cynical. Um, there's stuff I see that drives me crazy. I just keep my mouth shut. Um, especially when it comes to, well, the gear thing I could care less about. I, I will try anything, but you start looking at broadheads and stuff and some of the stuff you see and it's like, oh, that's effery. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what they're doing with that. Um, but I, I just, I wanted to have an impact. And the only way that I knew how to do it was the way I'm doing it. You know, I'm just one dude sitting in his garage, sweating most days recording a podcast, but how do I have an impact on a larger scale? You know, I can go to a BHA pint night locally, but if there's 10 or 12 people there, those, those are the only people affected by that event. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you reach all these people there's a billion people on social media um you know if you have i think they say you reach three percent of your followers and i'm not i'm not a guy that's gonna sit there and preach like i'm not gonna preach i'm just going to i guess expose maybe um and talk about to a point um yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just I just wanted to have some kind of impact that was positive to try and draw people in, bring people together and protect something, ultimately protect something that I love. Damn, more than my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't see I can't see not being able to do this. Um, and it scares me, literally scares me to think about not doing it. Uh, I just everything about it I, I just i love it it consumes me i wouldn't change anything for the world when it comes to hunting so i just want to have a positive effect so you know and then well and that's where our our job if we take it seriously as hunters our job is to to take the gifts that we have or to take the the things that we can give back to our community and use them. If we don't use them, then we're not, we're not doing anything. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. We can pick up trash. We can be a part of 
um, of conservation groups, which they're all, no matter how big or small they are, they're important and impactful. But you have to take what you're good at and use it or you're wasting it. I don't know that I'm good at it, but I'm sure as hell going to (laughs) try. Hey, as long as you stay honest and blunt and, um, and respectful and not divisive, I don't see how you can go wrong. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of been my approach. Like I don't, I'm not known anywhere for, you know, really biting my tongue. I struggle with that. I've gotten better (laughs) with it because of this, but. Um, but yeah, I just want, I wanted to do something positive and, and I was like, well, let's try this, you know? And then again, I'm a sucker. I love hearing the stories. Um, and, and a lot of it is that, right. Is just being able to, that anti-social part of me is because I can't relate to the hippie sandals and the tie-dye shirts. No offense to anybody that wears hippie sandals and tie-dye shirts, but I can't relate to it. It doesn't. You know what I mean? And, and and here you feel like you're one in a million. Um, so being able to reach other people and talk to other people that are like-minded has just been beyond enjoyable for me. Um, and then now it's like, okay, how do I, this, you know, here we'll parlay here. Um, how do I impact the things that I think are important even more? Um, hence Amy Hall. Um, you know, one of the things that was important to me was to highlight women in this podcast, right? And not because women deserve any preferential treatment um, when it comes to hunting, but I feel like there is a lack of light um, in real women hunters, right? Social media's you know, all good. I, I, and you've heard me say it. I'm a man, right? A bikini does not bother me at all. Not one (laughs) iota, but the portrayal of the bikini and upside down bow and the sights on the wrong side and the quivers on the, you know, Mm -hmm. on the rest side. I mean, it's just a travesty. It, it, It pisses me off. Um, one, because that's not you guys, you gals, you women, Exactly. Um, And that's not, I always relate it to how would I want my wife and my daughter to be perceived if they Mm -hmm. chose to partake in what I love so much. And it's sure as shit not, excuse my language, sorry, um, not the bikini, boobs out, arse out, you know, bows upside down, no arrow knot. Not doing it, right? Yeah. Right. It just, it drives me crazy. And then you look around and you see some of the women that are out there. And they are more time in the woods, have killed Mm -hmm. more animals, have killed bigger animals, if that matters to you, um, and are just putting in the work. I mean, just slaying it. And I have have next level respect for that because you're up against it, right? You're up against it because it's predominantly male. Uh, sport, hobby, lifestyle, however anyone looks at it. And to go out and say, I'm doing this regardless of any obstacle. I mean, you you know, we start talking about the obstacles that women have to face in hunting and it's pretty big. I mean, it's swayed and I get it right. The market is male dominated. So Mm -hmm. the products for women are going to be lesser um, in terms of availability or quantity or whatever that is. Um, 
so I get it from a business standpoint, but from a father, husband, human being standpoint, it's kind of effed up. And it's yeah. just like, dang it, man. So in doing the podcast with women, I wanted to highlight your pursuit. I can relate to a point. I empathize like crazy with those issues. Yeah. But I, I can't, I, I don't feel like I do it justice. I don't feel like I am serving it as it should be served and wanting to have an impact. I wanted to figure out some, how do I, how does this platform, how does Western Contours breathe for women hunters? Um, so Amy Hall, take it away, right? I mean, that was, that was really <laughs> it, right? We had talked um, and just my appreciation of your honesty and your purity with hunting. And it was, it was almost a no brainer. And I had thought about it and I had looked at other people. Um, some are tainted in my opinion. Some have their own brands, um, uh, which I didn't want to put them in a position to tell me no, or, you know, things of that nature, um, just right. trying to understand. And it was just, you know, let's give this a whirl and that's where we're at. So for the people that are listening and don't understand what the heck's going on, that's what's going on. So, <laughs> that's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to have the impact that, that I want it to have. Um, I really believe it's going to be impactful um, beyond what I think. Um, I know right now there's some guests lined up that it'll be you sitting down with. Um, and again, for me, it's just impact, right? It's not, I want this thing to breathe. I want Western Contours to breathe on its own. Um, I want it to carry itself. Um, I'm just a voice on there is how I see it, right? Yeah, it just, yeah. You know, so yeah, I think I got long-winded as all get up on that, but. That's okay. It's, uh, it's true though. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's, and through your regular podcast, through what I put into it, it's, um, it's drawing that circle closer. It's drawing that circle, um, inward to, to close it up and create less distance between people. Um, it's encouragement, it's mentorship, it's not just for new hunters, but for hunters who have been in it for a long time, man, woman, youth, um, whoever it is, because this podcast, whether you're listening, because you've had, and I've looked, you've had, you've had a lot of women. There have been some podcasts that I've been on that I have been the first one that they've had on. And so it's not necessarily that you're changing it up too much. You're just changing the perspective. Um, and that's the exciting part, but, but the podcast should be for men or women because every male hunter out there usually has some female person around them that could be interested in it. And so to encourage them, it's great to be able to hear from the perspective of where we're coming from in order to better encourage them and mentor them. Because most of the mentors that I've had, most of my mentors are men. And I think that the impact 
that men and women will have out of this podcast. It's going to be pretty great. And the guests that we have coming on are pretty great. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it'll be fun. I uh, It's yeah. going to be interesting. I'm a control freak and I am... <laughs> I am 110% going in trusting you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I I just think, like I said, there's an honesty, there's a purity about hunting, and that's important, right? I mean, it's not, as far as I know, right, there's not, you're not worried about having a billion followers and 16 companies chasing you, and you're a mom, you're a wife. Um, there's some definite, you know, Southern family values going on and that's important, you know, so I I think it'll be good. Um, it's going to be a little bit different, right? I'm a little bit crass and my mouth, uh, is bad. (laughs) So it'll be be a nice (laughs) contrast. You have done really well tonight. I'm very proud of you. (laughs) You know, it's funny because it is so hard. It's just, it is just me. I, that's just the way I say some people look at me and I'm like, sorry, I, that's just the way I talk. I'm not. I don't know. Sometimes a well-placed word is very impactful. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, I, and I know it. Sometimes I have a bunch of well-placed words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try to reserve those for those that uh, have the same well-placed words. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yep. so I can't control it to a point, but. You know, yeah, but no, I think it's going to be good. I, I think it'll it'll be fun. Um, it'll be interesting for me to sit back and kind of watch it. Um, but I, like I said, I I don't, and I I don't want that. I don't want that to sound pathetic or you know what I mean, like empathy. Like I empathize with the plight of the woman. I, that's not what I mean, right? I just yeah, yeah. I'm not like you know. <laughs> Um, but it's no, just but as a husband and as a father, you do have, you can empathize. It's not just, you're not just a single guy saying, well, I empathize with a woman. You actually live day in and day out with women that you can empathize with. I had to get that in there. Um, hope my wife doesn't listen to that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it I look at it and I go, I mean, you look at Carrie, she hunts Washington. That mm-hmm. woman, that woman is a stud. Yeah. Right. I mean, she kicks ass. We can go ahead and say that. Yeah. Yes. She is an absolute stud. Right. Yeah. In every sense of the word. Um, so to not, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like that should be out there. Mm-hmm. And maybe she doesn't put it out there, right? As as much as other people do, and that's why they're you know blown up. And she's not, you know, she don't have her arse hanging out, and she just she's a killer, right? But she is a forager and a firefighter, and just an all around good person, conservation minded. Um, and I think that deserves some attention. And I've had her on the podcast, but but did I really do it? service right did i really do her service did i really do her story a service did did kristen redderath's story come out because i can only relate to a point and that's really what i was hoping for is again back to it western contours breathing having an impact um over all demographics through the hunting community is is really really what i want uh it to do so 
Well, it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. Hey, we're going to, we're going to kind of close it up and I got two more questions for you. Gotcha. Um, do you have, now I know elk is like top of your list of favorite things. Is there anything else on your bucket list? Archery, barren plain, caribou is a must. Yeah. It is probably going to be a butt kicker of a hunt. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's a must. That That's up on That'll the top. That'll be a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's elk. It really is elk. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, moose, you can call in moose, but with elk, just the level of interaction that we can have with them, um, unless you've experienced it, I don't, I don't think that people really understand. <laughs> the greatness is, that comes with it. Oh my God. I mean, to see that animal move the way it does through, through the woods and how social they are. And what they're saying has meaning. Um, they're just amazing animals. Absolutely amazing. And to see that big SOB and those antlers. <laughs> oh, my God. It is just. Here we go. Talk it, about the shakes. Yeah. It, yeah. But uh, cliche again, right? They're just they're just majestic beasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is. They're all consuming. Um, yeah. 95% of the time. The, the ones when I've been out in Colorado, the ones that I've seen, they haven't been too terribly far, but it's, I haven't been hunting, but it, they stop you in your tracks. Mm-hmm. Like you stop and watch them. It's not, it's magical. It's almost a spiritual experience watching them walk by because of how big they are but also how they move it's just it's pretty cool yeah when that first bugle pierces through your body and oh it it just it just becomes it becomes part of you like yeah the obsession is real the struggle's real (laughs) (laughs) from the first bugle it's done you are through (laughs) but yeah i mean when you hear the bugle like you get excited but when they're within 20 yards and they scream Mm -hmm. i'm i it literally will, it, you can feel it go through you and to see the breath coming out as it's doing it is just, it's freaking all inspiring. <laughs> yeah. I'm a elk sucker now. It is just, yeah, it's something <laughs> else. Okay. We're going to wrap it up. What is, um, you always talk about conservation kind of as the end. And I want to hear from your take of it, we've talked a little bit about some of the people that have influenced um, you um, through your podcast and just simply how they've moved you into thinking in a different direction. But what are some of the things that you'd like to get out there about it? Honestly, um, yep. when it comes to that topic right now, I'm, I'm confused. Um, it goes back to impact. Um, it is, there was, there was periods where I felt like, you know, having more than one membership and not the bare minimum membership to whether it's Rocky mountain or sportsman, Uh, right. Yeah. That was having an impact. And then it's, you know, picking up trash as I see it. Um, Mm -hmm. and then hearing, hearing the different perspectives and hearing 
a lot of how people view it is is the same way that I view it, but it's like, how do we, how do I, again, breathing it through Western contours, how do I have a bigger impact on this message? And the reason that I do the conservation quick is just to spawn a th- uh, the thought process, to maybe hear somebody else's thought. It gets me thinking. The problem is after a hundred episodes, um, that spawn is like this big, huge monster. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's, and what it keeps coming back to is like, okay, I'm not doing enough. I don't feel like I'm doing enough to impact that. How can I do it? So that's where I'm at right now. I'm struggling with that. So recruiter or excuse me, recruitment, retention, it's huge for me. Um, Cliche stuff, pack it in, pack it out, pick up the crap you see. I'll always do that. Um, The membership thing, I'm actually kind of (coughs) waning on to a point where is that enough? I mean, is that even worth it? Um, I still do it, but it's questioning whether or not these things are having an impact, um, an impact that's going to make a difference. Um, and I know that if I'm picking up somebody's trash and, I, and I've talked to over 100 people and just about every single one of them has said the same thing, well, now we got, you know, there's 100 people and maybe they got buddies that are with them. They're doing the same thing. So we got all these people picking up, yep. you know, 100, 200 pounds of trash, whatever it is. Um, is that enough? So I'm really at a point where it's trying to figure out not what's important to me in it, um, but what's my stance and how do I make a bigger impact? Um, and I'm working on that. I, I am working on it and I've been looking at, you know, 2% for conservation, um, things like that, and trying to understand where I stand with it in that impactfulness it is i'm i'm honestly confused with it right now i think I don't it's constantly yeah no but i think it's constantly evolving depending on where you are so in the beginning some people don't know how to get involved picking up trash is the first thing that they can do getting involved with the community um around them, whether it's through a conservation group or through a membership, whatever that is. But as you grow um, or as you change your influences, whether you're talking to people or you're being listened to, um, I think that it, it kind of wanes and you do have to regroup and figure out where you are. Right. And that's one of the big things for me too, is I don't, I don't want to just impact here. I don't want to impact my honey hole, right? And yeah. That's, and that's part of it, right? I want to have a bigger effect. Um, yes. And that I think that's part of the struggle is how do you do that? You know what I mean? You know, we you hear it all the time. You buy your tag, you buy your license, conservationist, right? BS. Um, yes. I, I don't think that it's that easy anymore. Um, no. And then there's part of me that's guilty for not paying attention to it, like I said earlier on. Um, and I think that might have a little bit to do with it, right. Is wanting to do more to kind of make up for that shortcoming in myself and not, I didn't have the information. Um, but was it out there? Did I seek it out? I I didn't have anybody that talked to me about it, that mentored me through it. So I I don't know. Um, but wanting to affect it, you know, wholeheartedly, um, on a larger scale, that's really, you know, that's really where I'm at. I'll keep doing the conservation quicks because I think it's pretty cool to hear the different perspectives. 
Um, yeah. Even when they're and the who same, knows, you know, one of them might be one of those moments that you have of that's what I can do. Right. Um, exactly. And the more people that we mentor, the more people that we bring in, um, you're just adding that many more that can do their part. We all can't do the same thing. If we all do the exact same thing, then you're going to be lacking in other places. There is, yeah. So it's, yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. Like you said, I think every evolving is, uh, is good. You know, that's a good. Yeah. Uh, well, and we don't want to be stagnant either. Right. So you do have to constantly evolve. You, you have to constantly move in, um, in ways. So. Well, that's true too. Right. With, with being stagnant, you get complacent with it. Yes. And then it just becomes just the $35, $45 a year. Um, yep. that ain't enough. Sorry. No, it's uh-uh. not enough. No, long. So, but yeah, that's my conservation long. I usually ask for a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> we went a little bit longer on that one. This is my conservation part. Um, well, thank you. Absolutely. That's, I um, I think that it, when people listen to this, they're going to get a little bit more of you. Whereas in your podcast, you highlight others, and we get little bits and pieces of you in that in them, but, um, I think that they're really going to enjoy sitting back and listening to who you are. Um, I hope so. And, I'm surprised yeah. people listen to me to this day. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guy. I appreciate it. Yep. So yeah, we'll, uh, be dropping Amy's Epps pretty soon here. I think you start recording what next Thursday, next Thursday. It's so going to be that'll good. Be, yeah. That'll be fun. Um, and then I might as well put it out there. I will be in the Elkwoods coming up. I've been lazy. I've been unfocused on the podcast. So you might miss a couple of episodes, maybe a tap Tuesday or um, something. But, you know, after elk season, we will be back up with the uh, regular lineup. And then got some other stuff on tap. Um, outside of Amy's episodes, we might get back into the KVC apps and, and look at that, talking to those guys and gals again. Um, but Amy, I appreciate you stepping up and wanting to be a part of the podcast and Western Contours and bring some value to it um, for everybody hitting the woods this season. Uh, best of luck to all of you. Um, yes. Shoot straight, grind it out, kick your butts. And uh, yeah, no, no regrets, no excuses. And of course, lay them down. Lay them down. Thanks, guy. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hey guys, thanks for listening to me ramble about myself there. It was a little bit odd, but uh, yeah, jump on IG and go follow Amy at Amy Hall Hunter underscore Western Contours. Appreciate the support of the podcast and best of luck to everyone out there this season. Shoot straight and stay safe. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, Check out SasquatchFuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, 
head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order. 